Thanks be to God. Well, I will greet you as well. Good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke today. Ashley read to us from Luke chapter 24, and definitely we're going to be spending some time there. But before we do, I would like for you to begin in Luke chapter 9. Yep, there it is. Luke chapter 9. And what I would like to do is get a better understanding of uh, the struggle that we see these two men having, or this group of men having, uh, that are on their way from Jerusalem to Emmaus, the seven-mile journey. And journeys are big in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, In Luke's Gospel, as well as in the book of Acts, the second uh, writing that he put together, uh, journeys are huge. Jesus is journeying to Jerusalem so that he might die. The Apostle Paul will journey also towards Jerusalem in the book of Acts. And it's on these journeys that, that people then go through different experiences and they encounter Jesus, right? It is the Apostle Paul, before he was that, he was just Saul, And he was a persecutor of the church. And he's on a journey. He's walking from uh, where he came up. He's on the Damascus road. And he is on his way to Damascus, out of Israel, to Damascus. And it's on this journey that he encounters Jesus. And so that, that happens a lot in the Bible. It is as we walk from to, God encounters us with his truth, with who he is. And so these are very common in Luke's gospel, and and here we see one. Um, Now, what we're going to be dealing with this morning is just the difficulty. So last week, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, and we all said, amen, isn't that great, and isn't God good, and look at the power of God. Well, it's not that easy for everybody. There are some people that really struggle with the truth about who Jesus Christ is. They struggle with uh, submitting their lives to him and to his teaching. And it is that ongoing journey, it is that ongoing struggle that God persists with us. We see that in the book of Luke. That as these men are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and as they're debating, and Luke makes it out, they're arguing. They seem to be not just confused and not just frustrated, but almost depressed. Everything that we thought was true about Jesus obviously is wrong. And uh, it's easy for us to sit where we are right now, especially with this wonderful thing in front of us, and wonder what, what, what took them so long. But I, I want us to just go back and take a look how, how much Jesus made it very clear, and Luke is the one who's going to record this. In Luke chapter 9, I want you to turn to verse 21. Just take a look at this. Jesus is going to make some statements, and uh, just so we know that what happened to Jesus Christ at the crucifixion was by no means a surprise. It was by no means something that was happening to him, but it was the carefully orchestrated plan of God that is being worked out. So that understanding of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is essential for us as believers. Uh, That Jesus is not a victim of injustice, but in fact Jesus Christ came willingly and was obedient to the point of death. And he learned all of this obedience to the point of death. Why? So that there could be victory over sin. And so Jesus is going to make this statement. And it's interesting that the the first time this happens is right after Peter makes the very bold claim. We know this, right? Who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're a prophet and others say you are, but you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And it is after that statement that Jesus then goes on and says, now, 
and, and here's what I think he's, he's letting them understand. It is your understanding of Messiah. It is your understanding of God's plan and God's purpose that is not right. And so I, I need to inform you. I need to shape your understanding of Messiah because what you are about to see, what you are about to experience doesn't fit in your category for Messiah. And what happens when you and I have to deal with something that God has planned for us that we just can't get our heads around? Have you ever had a circumstance in life that just did not fit at all with God? Your understanding of God? God is a loving God. God is a compassionate God. God is a God who would care for his children. And then you find yourself way over your head with pain. Way over your head in a complicated and complex situation where not only do you not get it, but you're beginning to wonder if God gets it. And what do you do in situations like that? You begin to question and, 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 and I, I, th- I think that it might be normal for us to begin to question, am I, am I seeing my circumstances right? And then when they, when they last longer than a short season, then all of a sudden we begin to wonder, maybe I, maybe I don't see God right. Because my circumstances are the most real thing around me. And, and so Jesus wants his disciples to understand some very difficult and painful truth. You can say that I am the Messiah, right? This is what we kept hearing as Jesus was having these amazing encounters. So our series was on what Jesus Christ did, and now we're moving towards what Jesus Christ taught, what he said. And here we are in a post-resurrection account, and these disciples cannot get it through their heads. Well, let's see if it was what Jesus said that was complicated. So look at verse 21. After they make the very bold statement, you are God's Messiah, you are God's Christ, his anointed one, his king. Jesus says, in, or Luke records in verse 22, but he strictly warned them and instructed them to tell this to no one. Okay, why, why wouldn't we want to tell people? <laughs> I mean, isn't it so strange that it's such a big deal to go and tell, go and tell, go and tell, and yet repeatedly in the Gospels, when people see who Jesus Christ is and he is the Messiah, Jesus responds to demons and to people who have received a miracle and to disciples who are getting some rather deep insight into the character and the nature of Jesus. And he says to them, after they boldly and properly, accurately claim that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the Messiah, he says, now don't go tell anyone. But isn't that why you came? Didn't you come so that we would go and tell everyone? And the answer to that is yes, but right now, if you run around and say there is a Messiah, there is such a misunderstanding about who the Messiah is. Not enough of the story has been told. Not enough of God's plan has been revealed. And therefore, if you go out and say the Messiah has come, what we will get, and we will actually see this after Jesus feeds the 5,000, what you will actually get is a number of people who are going to, by force, try to come and make me king. And so Jesus says, I'm glad that you see this, and I'm glad that you understand this, but you still don't understand this. By the way, that gives uh, gives great comfort to someone like me, who knows and believes, and yet still has so much more to know and believe. And there I use the word believe, meaning to trust. I, I know who God is. Oh, teach me to trust him more. There's a song that we sing about that, right? Teach me to trust you more. Teach me to believe you more. 
Tell no one, verse 22, saying, it is necessary that the son of man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and to be killed and to be raised on the third day. Now, how many of you read that and go, yeah, what does he mean by that? How many of you, you get it, don't you? How many of you, it's, it's, it's simple and it's clear. And the reason why it's simple and clear is not just because you and I know that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, but that Jesus Christ continually not only predicted this to be true, but then at other times underlined the fact that, that it was true. I, I would even say it's, it's, it's not just the resurrection, it's the teaching beforehand and then the emphasis to look back. And, and when I say look back, not even just at the teachings of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but in the Old Testament, that's what our story is about today. That Jesus says, let's look back. And what he's describing there is Genesis to Malachi. The books of history, the books of the prophets, the poets. It is necessary for the Messiah to do this. And what's interesting is when this happens and it talks about a cross. And a cross that they will even have to pick up. And a a difficulty that they will have to bear. And a persecution that they will have to suffer. The disciples have rather clear truth that they just can't get into their heads. And I know you and I would say, yeah, but if we were there, we would have done the same thing. True. I don't think I disagree with that. But to be honest with you, when I I read these predictions, they're really, really clear. They're not not confusing. What's, What's confusing is my own expectations being confronted. What's frustrating is that I have to completely let go and let the truth about Jesus his nature and his purpose, his agenda to be set by him and not by me. That's hard. It was hard and it is hard. Just look over it. For me, it's just a little bit further. Look now at verse 43. Jesus exercises this power over a demon. And in verse 43, it says, And they were astonished at the greatness of God. And while everyone was amazed at all of the things that he was doing, he told his disciples, Let these words sink in. So I love the interplay that the Gospels have of them seeing what Jesus is doing and then hearing what Jesus is saying. Hold on to that, right? I'm seeing and I'm hearing. I'm watching Jesus do a miracle and then I'm hearing this teaching. There is this constant interplay in Scripture between come and see, go and tell. Come and see, listen carefully. He told his disciples, let these words sink in. Because they're bouncing off you like raisins off an automobile. They're literally, they're just hitting you and deflecting. And you're not allowing these words to sink in. That your hubris, your arrogance, your pride about your beliefs about God and about his plan and his purpose. It is, it is so, it is like this iron dome that is over you and nothing is penetrating in. And by the way, he's speaking to his disciples here. These are the ones who are already saying, we would like to follow you, which means we want to sit under your teaching. We want you to instruct us because we don't know. And yet, even in those moments, Jesus is instructing and and they're, they're pushing back. So Jesus says, let this sink in. The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. 
But they did not understand this statement. It was concealed from them so that they could not grasp it. And they were afraid to ask him about it. Now, I don't know why they, it was specifically concealed, but we definitely have the, the concealing aspect of what is happening to them. And I don't know if it's partly God protecting them from some misguided things that they might do, or if it is just their own um, uh, hard hearts that are not responding. I, I, I allow, and I think we all should allow uh, the work of God and the work of the Holy Spirit and what is going on inside of us for there to be this uh, deep sense of humility and exchange and interchange between God and us. Jesus says that the Spirit moves and how it operates. It's like the wind. We, we know that it's happening, how it all works. We, we don't really understand, but, but God is at, is, is at work. And so Jesus is making these rather bold statements. He does this one last time. Turn quickly to Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 31. This is another conversation that he has about what it means to be uh, uh, part of the kingdom. This is the, coming out of the conversation that we actually have with the rich young ruler. And he makes some rather very, very bold statements. And then in verse 31, and then he took the 12 aside and he told them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written through the prophets about the Son of Man is going to be accomplished. That's, that's good. That, that means that everything that was written in, in here, Genesis to Malachi, is about to happen. So he's not only telling them, I have insight into what is happening, but you could have insight as well. Like it has already been boldly proclaimed. It has already been stated Jesus Christ came to fulfill the prophecies that were given about him. All of these things are going to be accomplished. And it says in verse 32, For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked, insulted, spit on. And after they flog him, they will kill him, and he will rise on the third day. And then verse 34, And they understood none of these things. The meaning of the sayings was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. Clear, but in disguise. Obvious, but not perceived. And we see this pattern, actually, all throughout the scripture. And so I would like for us to spend a little bit of time this morning just reflecting on this and really engaging this text at a personal level. There are two things that we look at when we consider the, the, the words and the teachings of Jesus. And the first one is there is this, this, this idea of Jesus moving and Jesus acting and Jesus doing miracles and yet people not, not getting it. And so I want to ask you the question, are you one that is maybe struggling with the idea of seeing but not recognizing? Going through the gospel accounts and seeing what Jesus Christ has done and recognizing, or sorry, seeing what Jesus Christ has done and noticing what Jesus Christ has done, all these wonderful things that he's done, and are you still wrestling with or struggling with connecting the dots in terms of what that means in your own life? Seeing but not recognizing. Jesus does a miracle in John chapter 2 and he goes from water to wine and this is one of the first, the, the very first sign that he does. And signs point, they help people as they're watching Jesus and as they're seeing who he is and what he is accomplishing. They are seeing and here we have it, there it is, there's the connection. Now we know what's going on and there's a lot of people that we look at in the Bible and they're, they're seeing but it's not clear. 
Mark likes to use uh, an illustration, a biblical illustration about this. Um, There is a gentleman who is blind, and Jesus goes to heal him, and Jesus heals him, and so he can begin to see, and he says, what do you see? And he says, I see people walking around, but they look like trees, and Jesus then touches him again. It looks like Jesus, you know, his, his powers were only on half strength, but I don't think that's it. What you're actually seeing in Mark's gospel is the fact that the disciples are seeing but not recognizing. And I would say that can be true for us. Is that true for you? Do you see some things about Jesus, some, 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 some things that he did and some things that he accomplished, but yet you don't recognize yet the full implications of what that means to you, for you? For your family, for us. Yes, I see these things that happened in the scripture. And I see God's love, but I don't recognize God's love for me. I I see Jesus' power in very difficult circumstances. I don't recognize God's power, Jesus' power in my own life. There's a distance, a disconnect. I I see at at the cross, I, I see that he died for my sins. I just don't feel forgiven. Do you see Jesus? Do, do you give him a little, this is kind of what it's about, it's a little bit of like, um, it's lip service, and it's not just the kind of lip service that is hypocritical. It's, it's the kind of lip service um, that, that's trying, truly trying to connect the dots, trying to experience what God wants for you, but there's always a gap and there's always a distance. Oh, if it were as simple as just everybody was a hypocrite. No, it's not that simple. I believe in this room there's a lot of well-intended people who are really trying, trying to figure it out. I just, I just don't, I don't see it. Not, not, not like you see it. I don't experience God, not, not like you experience God. And maybe you're coming to church and you're attending this service, and um, it's not that you don't want to be here. I mean, I'm, I'm really here for him, or I'm really here for her, or I'm really here for them, for the little ones. Um, and, I, and I'm trying to do this. It's, it's just forever one step away. And, and I'll tell you, that's, you're, you're not alone in that. You're not alone in that. And I, I love the fact that we see these two men walking and disputing and arguing, and they're incredibly frustrated. Why? Because um, it didn't work out the way that we thought it was going to work out. It, we, were lit, we were watching Jesus, and there was such power in what he did and what he accomplished, and then he died on a cross. And they cannot understand how a God with power would die on a cross. They cannot understand how a God that could raise the dead would die. They do not understand how a God that would reconcile would be separated from. It just doesn't make sense to them. And maybe this morning it just doesn't make sense to you. You you can't quite understand how it all fits together. You're not alone. And I would say persist in the journey. I would say continue to lean into and to not grow weary of the struggle. And, and, and so then there's not just seeing 
and not recognizing, but there is this constant hearing, but then never understanding. I, I know that they can sound very, very similar, but I, I do love the fact that we need both senses to truly understand who Jesus Christ is. That there is this, there is this, this, this visual recognition, and a lot of us, a lot of us really believe that it's the visual recognition that makes the difference. That somehow, if I were to see a miracle, somehow if I were to see Jesus, if he would appear to me, if Jesus would come and walk with me, if I would have lived back then, I know I'm supposed to say that I would have been like everybody else, but actually I think I might have been different. And if I had just been there to see, well, it's not just seeing, it is actually hearing Jesus would continually, and it's not just Jesus in the revelation, it's the same phrase. For those who have ears to hear, let them hear. What the Spirit says to the churches seven times in Revelation 2 and 3. For those who have ears to hear, Jesus would say when he would tell a a truth about himself. For those who have the ability to hear, let them hear. We all have ears. We can hear you. We can hear you. Yeah, but I'm not talking the kind of hearing with your ears. It's, It's truly a more responsiveness with heart and mind. And that is why... um. There is something important about not just hearing. I can hear the words that you're saying, but hearing. Let these words sink in, Jesus says. In in Mark chapter 4, Jesus actually says to the disciples, Be careful the way in which you hear. Be careful. I would, I would tell my boys that when they were young. I would read that, that, that story in Mark. In Mark 4, um, it's kind of paralleled in Matthew 13 and in Luke 8. It's the story of the sower and the seeds. And, and we know that the message goes out to, to different kinds of soil. Same seed to different kinds of soil. And these soils respond differently to the seed. And, and Jesus says this. Be careful how you hear. And so I would tell my boys, you're going to hear a lot of words about Jesus over the rest of your life. And, and I'm telling you, there are two ways in which you can hear. You, you, you can hear with your hands on your hips. What? 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 Not the right posture. Or, or, or you can actually lean in to Jesus when he speaks. Lean in. question brother sister when jesus speaks what is your posture towards him um it's interesting that in this story see their eyes are kept from recognizing visually who jesus is but they don't just have sight problems because they've they've heard they're disciples these aren't these aren't people who don't know who jesus christ is it's not that they haven't heard him They've heard him. Most likely at some level, they've heard about what Jesus has taught or said about himself. But the the, the connecting is not happening. That is why we hear with more than just our ears. We literally hear with our lives. We hear with our minds and we hear with our hearts. We hear with our whole selves and we are calculating The cost, Jesus says that we should calculate the cost. And many of us are so good at calculating the cost that when Jesus speaks rather clear words of truth, we're not going to pay it. We're not going to risk it. We're not going to put our chips 
all in, so to speak. In the end, no, we're going to keep some here. No, Jesus, listen, the reason why I'm frustrated or the reason why I'm concerned or the reason why I do not trust you is because I, like I understand what you're saying and I, I, I'm not in. Those can be some of the most frustrating conversations that I've had where I, I share the gospel with someone, I, I can see faces and lives. And I'm, I'm asking them the question. I love to just, sometimes one of the best things you can do when you're sharing faith is to ask someone this simple question. What is keeping you right now from responding in faith and repenting all of your brokenness and giving your life to Jesus? What right now is holding you back? I like to ask that question to see what they say. So many times I can't think of anything that's holding me back. I'm ready to accept what Christ is offering me. But I have had some who look at me and say, no, I, I hear you. And I, I, get what, I get what you're asking. I can't do that. I, I can't give in at that level. I can't submit at that. I can't pay that cost. They're, they're hearing and I would say at some sense they're understanding, but no, they're really not understanding what they're doing. They, they, they really don't fully appreciate or understand the cost. <laughs> not, not the cost of following Jesus, but the cost of not following Jesus. And the ultimate payment, eternal separation from him. The words of Jesus Christ come out, and then we are going to either... Listen, I'm listening. Will you just hurry up and finish, Jesus? And then there is this, teach me. And these disciples are, um, they're ready to argue. And that is in fact what they are doing with one another. And finally Jesus speaks up in verse 25 and look at what he says. So we're in, we're in Matthew tw- or Luke 24. Verse 25, and he says to them, how foolish you are. That, by the way, is a a bit of a stronger term. It's not, oh, you silly willies. No, to call a brother a fool, you you can be in in serious trouble for that. It's a a rather strong accusation. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe. And then look where he points. All that the prophets have spoken... Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah or the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Like, did you not understand? Why do you not understand? Why do you not see? Why do you not hear? And and, and by the way, Jesus just doesn't feel sorry for them for not. Jesus is holding them accountable. That's what I love about Jesus. Sometimes when we want to make a picture of Jesus, it's always that Jesus is always totally cool with wherever you're at. Jesus is totally cool wherever you're at. Like he's totally cool with wherever you're at. Like wherever you're at, as long as you're real there and as long as you're authentic there, he's totally cool with where you're at. No, he's not. He's not. Now hear me. he's, He's loving still. He is persistent still. But, but he says to those who are slow to believe, who are hard of heart, he says, how foolish you are. And, and this is the kind of a fool that may be in danger of completely missing him. Why is it that you do not believe? Why is it that you are always hearing but never understanding? Why is it that you're always seeing and never recognizing? 
And then Jesus. This is, the, this is the goodness of Jesus. This is the persistence of Jesus. And then beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all of the scriptures. Now, this is kind of reminiscent. Think of the book of Acts. Does anybody know a story where somebody is looking at the Old Testament and they're not understanding it and they're not getting it and it's about who Jesus is and I'm not getting it and I'm not understanding it? It's the Ethiopian eunuch. Luke tells a very, very similar story about somebody who's going on a journey, who's trying to figure out who Jesus Christ is and is not seeing it. And it is at that moment that Philip is encountering him and he says, I'm trying to read this, but I can't get it. And then Philip helps him understand who Jesus Christ is. See, that is the goodness and the persistence of God. For you this morning, please hear the the love and the goodness of God is that Even if you're struggling to see and it is difficult for you to hear, if life circumstances are screaming at you louder than the words of the Lord, if if, if the pain of your circumstances have so dimmed your eyes that you cannot perceive clearly God's love for you, God's, God's, God's desire for you to have peace with him, that I want you to consider this morning as one more of God's loving and careful and patient encounters with you. If you were to ask me to come up with a plan for Jesus' resurrection, I, I probably would start it the way that he did, you know, with the empty tomb and angels and all that. But I would actually have a crowd around the tomb, wouldn't you? You'd have all these people that would be standing around. Bring Pilate, make sure he's there. I'd somehow orchestrate it, you know, since I'm God and I can plan this. And I would want Pilate there, and I would want, I would want everybody there. Bring Herod. Bring all my disciples. Bring all of the Pharisees that mocked me. And I want them all to be there when I come out of the tomb. I want them to see this. I want them to know that this is right. I want them to know what they, what they did. And, and can you see it, right? I mean, the tomb opens up and then Jesus comes out and boom, drop the mic kind of a moment. Look who's alive, look who's back, you know? Something like that where it is just so clear and it is so up. No, that, that's what I would do. And then I would go around and I would just revisit everybody that didn't get it. Now go back and read the resurrection accounts. The women show up at the tomb. And Jesus is just gone. And there's an angel. Yeah, he's, he's been raised from the dead. Where is he? Well, he's been raised from the dead. Just go tell the disciples. The, the, the language is go and tell, go and tell, go and tell. Um, the vast majority of these encounters that we see, I'm, I'm shocked at how few of the encounters actually involve Jesus. It's the testimony of women. It is the testimony of a disciple here. It's... It's, it's people like this that even when they see Jesus, Jesus hides himself from them. And, and what he does is he then opens up the word and says, I, I, want to, I want to show you who I am. No, Jesus, I want you to show me who you are. And, and at some level, his voice they do not discern and his visual appearance, his physical appearance, they cannot perceive. And Jesus says, listen, this is what everybody is going to need. And so I'm gonna begin here. And I'm going to show you that everything that has happened has always been planned, has always been purposed, and has now been brought about. One of the most difficult things for us to be honest with is that one of the biggest reasons why people 
can't hear Jesus and can't see Jesus is because we won't. We won't hear Jesus. I, I can't see him because I won't see him. I can't hear him because I won't hear him. I won't, I, won't, I won't hear from him. And then there are disciples like this who, who struggle and who just need a little more help. And maybe I love this story because I really think that is me. I, I am trying so hard to believe, to understand, and to perceive. And there are days where I genuinely struggle, and I, I love the fact that he is persistent with me. Look at this beautiful verse here, Luke chapter 24, verse 32. After Jesus reveals himself, they, they look back on this whole encounter and then they say this as Jesus was preaching to them and teaching to them from the Old Testament. It says, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? Like when he was speaking to us, wasn't there something that was happening inside of us? Was there not something that was happening in our minds and in our hearts? Was it not like as Jesus was showing us from the Psalms and showing us from the prophets, as Jesus was going back and helping us understand from the teachings of Moses, was there not something that was happening inside of us? And that is why, brothers and sisters, I'm gonna ask you this morning, can you see him? And when I say that, I mean, like, can you recognize Jesus for who he is, the son of God who came to die in your place for your sins and establish a kingdom and invite you in? Can you see him? And can you hear him? Is your heart and your mind postured towards him where the words that he speak do not just bounce off, but they begin to resonate in your heart and in your mind and transform your heart and your mind as you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and grow in maturity because you're not here to argue with Jesus, but you are here to learn from him. Can you see him? Can you hear him? Thanks be to God and the work of the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I love this. We, we often think that this is the idea about like heaven because it's so hard to imagine what heaven is going to be like. That's not what Paul is talking about. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. You can just see it on the screens. Listen to this. But as it is written, no eye has seen him, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived. God has prepared these things for those who love him. The, 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 the part that is so amazing here, he's not talking about heaven and how it's going to be hard to have words for it. It is no eye or ear, no human ability could have ever fully understood or appreciated God's plan and God's purpose in Jesus Christ. See, one of the reasons why they couldn't get their head around it is because literally it was just too good for them to believe it was true. God's love for you, brothers and sisters, is truly too good for us to believe it is true. But it is true. God's plan and his purpose for us is too wonderful. His grace is too deep. It is too far for us to ever just fully understand and appreciate. That is why we are always pursuing. We are always uh, seeking after him. Why? So that the love of God and the, the grace of God and the kindness of God and the mercy of God is always like a step ahead. And therefore, brothers and sisters, stay engaged in the journey. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 as he continues in verse 12. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, meaning the gospel is not just Jim's creative and clever way of saying something, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it's foolishness to him. He's not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. What Paul is saying there is, for those of us who understand, thanks be to God. His spirit has revealed it. And there's always going to be those people who are going to struggle. I'm so grateful the fact, though, that what we celebrate this morning is that Jesus has made himself known to all who can see and to all who can hear him. He has revealed himself sufficiently. And that we are commanded to testify our faith in who he is. And what he has accomplished, that is our responsibility. To boldly testify that we know who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has accomplished. And when people have a hard time seeing and have a hard time hearing, what do we do? We continue to testify. When when people find that life is too hard and too difficult and they want to give up, what do we do? We continue to testify and we continue to, to, to speak what Christ is or who Christ is and what Christ has accomplished. I would like for you now to take the Lord's Supper and hold it in your hands. This is what I love about the Lord's Supper. The thing that I really love about this is that we actually see in the gospel, this in, in Luke chapter 24, what we actually see is Jesus making himself known and he makes himself known when he breaks open the bread. They don't see him. They can't hear him. And then Jesus breaks the bread and as soon as he breaks the bread, their eyes are opened and they recognize for who he is. There is something very, very special. That's why Jesus, whenever he would talk about who he was, he would draw their attention to his purpose his death, burial, and resurrection. And we should as well. Because Jesus isn't just someone to be talked about. He is someone to be experienced. And that is what we do here. We recognize him maybe best when we recognize what he accomplished for us. And so for those who have put their faith in Christ and been united with him in baptism, Raised to walk this new life, we see who Jesus for who he is, and so we take the bread and we eat. We understand what his teaching means, and we take the cup and we drink. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your persistence with me, making yourself known for who you are. Father, I pray that we would remember the joy and the responsibility to share that good news with others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.